Hello, and welcome to Close the Door and Come Here, a Song of Ice and Fire podcast with heavy leanings toward our two ta- favorite characters, Jamie and Brienne. a smooth intro um <laughs> hi i i am chicky i am at the chicken on twitter um and i'm joined today by comma hi this is comma and you can find me at the hyphen real hyphen comma splice on tumblr <laughs> and guile um this is guile and you can tweet or you can tweet you can find me at door podcast on twitter the only way to find her is to tweet She's sucking yeah, you into Twitter like, to get a hold of her. Um, so today, Elon Musk, where I am. Oh Jesus! <laughs> Gross. Oh God, my stomach is really growling. I feel like I should have eaten before I got into this chapter. Good thing it's a short one. So um, we are covering today Aria Four from A Storm of Swords, um, and we just pick up where Arya left off with her <laughs> merry band of outlaws. Um, that she's traipsing through uh, the the woods of of the Riverlands with. Uh, they stop in this random um, keep with some sounds like a, an elderly knight with dementia is kind of what we've got. Uh, and they're looking for Beric Dondarrion, and they they get a tale from the knight's maester that oh you know he was killed. I forget which way he was killed here. They hear about him being killed about four different times in this in this chapter, which you know, I think we will later learn are all real. Um, he just keeps getting resurrected, but they don't seem to know that yet. Um, so they move on from here. They go to what, okay, this seemed to me, I don't know what, I don't know if like George is literally channeling, not just Robin hood, but literally Robin hood, Prince of thieves, where they're like living in the trees. Isn't that part of that where there's like this village in the trees of, of like basically outlaw people. Anyway, they go to this tree village and they're looking for Beric Dondari and they can't find him. Um, Arya is like accidentally bonding, I think with her captors. Like she, she doesn't want to trust them because she knows that they're trying to ransom her at river run. And she's thinking about how she, she likes and guy, but you know, she can't trust him. And at Tom of seven streams is very entertaining, but she can't trust him either. And, um, Gendry is of course there. And I think she definitely still trusts him, but, uh, we'll get more into that later. Um, I don't know. Do you think, is, is, is George fully going like Robin hood with this? Is it just me? Is it just, am I the only one? Oh, I mean, this? I think absolutely. Like, I, I mean, all versions of Robin Hood, too. Yep. As a random guy, <laughs> if you ever want to read a great, like, group of articles on Tor.com, like, I don't know how many years ago this is, but they did a series of reviews of all of all of the various Robin Hood movies, including Robin Hood Men in Tights, and, like, did various ratings of them, including, like, the Disney animated one and all of Which that. Which is the it's best, fantastic. Let's be honest. They really... Um, I mean, they hate, they absolutely hate the Kevin Costner one, except for Alan Rickman, who's in a different movie, basically. Yeah. And they All love right. the, Dis- I mean, they love Errol Flynn. They like the Disney animated one. And I mean, they really like Robin Hood Prince, <laughs> Prince, Robin Hood Men in Tights, like a lot. But it's really, it's a really fun series to read if you're looking for just some good content sometime. 
I should read that. I've got a real soft spot for. Oh, you would love it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, like I get the feeling he was watching a bunch of this stuff on TV and just like (laughs) making it like grosser and more medieval, you know? Well, and what's funny too is like they're, you know, it's sort of like he's got, you know, Barrack as like a Robin Hood, but then I mean, Jamie is kind of like this bandit character as well. Like, you have all these like sightings of, you know, these like kind of fun like sightings and commentary around Jamie as well. So it's like there's almost two Robin Hoods. In I, a weird well, and, and he said that Jamie is based on Carrie Elwes, and he would have started writing this right around the time yep. that 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 crazy parody movie came out. What's it, it called? Oh yeah, Robin Hood. Men in time. I would bet money that George as a kid watched old movie, you know, airings of things like Ivanhoe and the Black Arrow and Robin Hood, all that stuff, because it just smacks of it. He's just taking it to a darker place. Oh, for sure. Ivanhoe, Kieran Hines. Oh, my fucking God. Like that hit. Rebecca, he's Brian DeBois-Gilbert. Like, oh my god, their scenes are so amazing. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> oh, no, I, loved, I loved the book Ivanhoe as a kid. You know what I loved as a kid? There was a BBC um, Robin Hood show that I think was from either the late 70s or the 80s. Yes. Yeah. Oh my god. It, Sean Connery's son starred as yes. Robin Hood, I think. Yes. Oh my god, I loved that freaking thing. I would stay up trying to watch it on PBS all the time. What's the name of like the, it was sort of like a comedy medieval musical, like it was on network TV and I know you really liked it. Oh, um, oh, oh Timothy Amundsen. Uh, yeah. Musical, uh, right? What was it yeah. called? I can't believe I can't remember it. It only got a couple seasons. It was so good yeah. too. Cause I always um, think of, re- of watching that. Oh my God. I can't believe I'm blanking on it. We should rewatch that. That was such a good little show. Or the, the lizard. Dad Cooper. The Dad Cooper. Wait, yeah. Was it like Gallivant? Gallivant. Oh my God. Gallivant. Yeah. Oh my God. I can't believe I forgot the name of it. I was like, highly Gallivant. recommend think- Gallivant to the audience. You guys should check it out. If you haven't worth the time. And you were, I think you were talking about the Robin of Sher- Sherwood series. Is that what it was called? I don't remember what it was called. Should I rewatch that? Is it Connery? He was probably influenced by this too, because this was out on PBS oh, yeah. and Showtime in the eighties. Yeah, that's exactly the kind of shit that George would have been watching. Yeah, oh, I, I love, I love, I love, I love when we pick out his little influences and we can see what they are. <laughs> Like all the soap operas and all of the like he watched a, I feel like dude watched a lot of TV. He was a writer. You know that he watched daytime TV in the yes. 80s. You can tell yeah. that he did. Yeah. God, um, awesome. <laughs> thank God. Um so they continue on their little journey um and they end up camping out in a uh, a circle of um, werewood stumps, massive werewoods that were cut down, like, sounds like a couple thousand years ago. Um, and you can tell Arya kind of, like, accidentally kind of feels the power of the place. I don't know if this is just the starkness in her. She's like, she never really wants to pay attention to this stuff, but it just kind of gets to her. And um, that night as they're camping, she overhears the men talking to a small woman who seems very ancient and is like telling them about some dreams and 
makes Tom the Sevens play her some particular song. Um, and the next day she asks about it and we will later find out that this is, I don't know when they start calling her the ghost of high heart. They don't call her that here, but I must be like, I know that they see her later. It's Arya who sees her mm-hmm. later on. Pretty sure. Don't they have a conversation at some point? Yeah, they do have a conversation at some, at some point. Yeah. yeah Cause she doesn't like Arya, right? Isn't that it? She thinks I Arya's think creepy. She, <laughs> she thinks Arya like- is creepy. Well, and she says, like, I've had enough of grief at Summer Hall. Oh, that's it. Yes. And so that, and she's guessed to have been um, the witch friend of Jenny of Old Stones, right? Yeah. That's who she's. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Which would make her incredibly old, I guess. Yeah. Um, And so from there, we move on to um, Acorn Hall where uh, Arya meets Lady Smallwood, who is a hoot, and I like an awful lot. She seems like a really <laughs> good time. I mean, maybe not so great to meet her during the war, but any other time. I love how, like, the immediate thing is she and Thomas Evans used to be lovers, and they yes. have, like, like, you know, <laughs> we we still have chemistry, but we're not, we're not doing that anymore um, thing going on, <laughs> where they're kind of sniping at each other, but, like, also funny. Anyway, I mean, yeah, Tom is, Lady this, Smallwood like, Tom is the star of this chapter. Like, yeah, no, Tom is everywhere the star. I and I, I glossed over it, but there is a point where Tom talks about his little beef that he has with Edmure, and yes. how he <laughs> how he wrote a song about Edmure called "The Floppy Fish" after Edmure couldn't get it up with some tavern girls. He drank too much, and this is why Edmure fucking hates him, as we will mm-hmm. see uh, a book or two. Um, Anyway, Lady Smallwood is the one who tells them that Jamie has actually escaped and that people are out hunting for him and that she makes her little joke about <laughs> keeping him locked in her bedroom and too tired to do anything, um, which is, you know, right in keeping with um, what you were saying about Jamie fitting in with the whole outwoods or outlaws just like gallivanting well, around the world. And just like the ongoing thing about the women of the Riverlands basically being like how hot you know he's so hot like oh we can't you know we'll be ashamed to kill him like oh i've locked him up in my bedroom Ah." it's like he's you know clearly meant to be uber hot basically not that this is a big shock but i like the little ongoing thing he's like a male model everybody everybody would anyway lady smallwood takes a real shine to aria and um has aria bathed which is very traumatic for Arya she doesn't want it um, and like she describes it as them flaying her alive her Lady Smallwood's servants trying to scrub her clean which I, I, I can only imagine how filthy this child is at this point well they uh, put like um, scented soap or perfume or something on her and she describes it as stinky of course she does <laughs> she, does. she probably smells like manure at this point and that's pleasant to her now um, anyway, Lady Smallwood dresses her in her own daughter's clothing. Lady Smallwood was smart enough to send her daughter away to Old Town, which, smart move, the right move, I think, when the war started. Um, anyway, they, uh, she, she and Gendry have a moment that is, I know, very big for Arya Gendry shippers, if any are listening, where they, um, go outside to the smithy and they end up fighting, but, um, you know, they're, like, Gendry actually tells her she looks nice in the dress, which of course she can't accept and blah, blah, blah. And yes, I know that the age gap is 
is terrible, but George doesn't know. And I don't think it is meant to be creepy. Um, anyway, uh, they come back in and Arya has ruined her dress, of course. And, and Lady Smallwood is actually really nice about it and just takes her up and bathes her again and puts her in a new dress, um, which I thought is a really nice moment. I feel like there's this thing going on here where you see Arya, like she's still fighting against any part of the lady identity that she's always shunned. But there's also a little bit of her like not completely fighting it in here, too. I don't know. Right. No, I think it's there. And it's also like Lady Smallwood is like the one saying things like, you know, Arya has this sort of not self-loathing, but she's convinced she's ugly. She's not, you know, and Lady Smallwood is the one who's just kind of, you know, she's talking to her, but it's almost like an aside, like, of course you're pretty, you know, you are, you know, you are a young lady and she's giving that kind of reinforcement that I think Arya really probably wants. Yeah, I think she does. It's a mother who doesn't have her daughter and a daughter who doesn't have her mother. So yep. as much as they, you know, it's it's the pale version of what they really want. It's still what they really want, you know? Yep. Oh, yeah. Well, and there's a really nice moment here where Arya's mad that they're, like, insulting her mom by telling the truth that Catelyn did let Jamie yeah. go. It kind of makes Arya mad. And um, Oh, another thing that got slipped in here is that Arya and Gendry kind of accidentally have a discussion about um, Thoros of Mir and his um, fake flaming swords where he would just get cheap swords and dip them in wildfire and light them on fire and how that made Tobomot really mad. <laughs> Gendry's like, what a waste of good steel. Um, but then there is a point where like, they're like, you know, Thoros would do this showy shit, but actually he like kind of was like pretty good. Like, cause I think wasn't it against the ironborn that he like led a charge and stuff. And yeah, know, obviously he won like, so I mean, he seems like, you know, he could drink with Robert fight with Robert. Like, you know, like a pretty solid dude in the scheme of, you know, and yeah. apparently perform resurrections later in life. Like, what the hell? <laughs> and raise the dead. <laughs> and raise the dead. Like, wow, multi talented <laughs> guy. Like, yeah. Like, actually, I mean, when we like thinking about his drinking, it's like he's Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> uh, minus the flaming sword, or plus the this- flaming sword. This is the kind of, of priest you can get behind, I guess. This. I mean, hell yeah. Like, whoever this guy's worshipping, like, you know, this version of the Red God, I feel like would be super popular. This is a much better version than Mel's version. Let's just throw that in there. Resurrection. Well, like, there are different sects of the Protestant church. I mean, you know, Melisandre is the sort of wacko, crazy part, and he's the more interesting, fun guy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. He's like, He's a fun youth pastor. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There you go. Singing vaguely naughty songs when he shouldn't be, that kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway, Lady Smallwood dresses Arya up in in a dress again, but then the next morning she gives her some boys' clothes that were her dead son's clothes, this poor lady. Um, and, uh, And it's just kind of a nod to... Arya's not ready for the the dresses just yet. They're not practical to her story at this time. Oh, I love Arya. I love this story. I kind of, there are parts of me that, that just wish, you know, you could just like, well, which anyone could just, you know, read it all in one go, not have it broken up. I think it would be a good little adventure story. 
And just, you know, the ending of this chapter, too, when, you know, she apologizes for tearing the dress and, you know, Lady Smallwoods, you know, you know, accepts the apology and, you know, tells her to be brave. Like, I mean, that is, you know, like, this is just like this nice, I mean, honestly, this chapter is sort of like a nice little interlude for Arya, which, you know, she so desperately needs because, yep. I mean, Arya has the most chapters of anyone in A Storm of Swords, which is so weird when you really, when you think about it. It's like, you don't think mm-hmm. of it as her book. But, I mean, this is probably one, you know, these, these chap, this chapter and the couple before it are like the, you know, joyous interlude in what's going to come, you know? It's oh. really awful. Poor thing. And my heart and, you know, goes out to her so many times. Like, there's that little bit where they're talking about, um, Jamie and the ransom and all that other stuff. And she's, she thinks to herself that maybe her mother wouldn't want her back after all the things she'd done. God. Yeah. And then there's also the fun bit of like, I'm almost a woman grown. I'm going to be 11. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So grown up. Mix, you know? Well, she even has a nice thought about Sansa here and how Sansa knows how to play and sing and, there's some sentiment. Did we have any mail for this chapter? We did. Um, Buck O'Hare on Discord asks, do you have a favorite ghost theory? Um, mine is that she is Maggie the Frog. Oh, I haven't heard that one. Is that possible? Isn't Maggie the Frog that other woman's grandmother? Yeah, she's Sybil Spicer's grandmother or great grandmother something like that i think the thing with ghost of high heart is she is she she has dwarfism it sounds like from the way that she's described okay i don't don't know there probably is a theory somebody may have a theory worked out maybe she's a i mean i don't i haven't heard theories other than that she's the the wood witch friend of jenny of oldstone yeah i mean i think that's pretty i think that's pretty pretty well held up i don't even know if that's really a theory that's just who we're pretty sure she is i think okay and then cardinal girl 75 on discord says i'm reading the ibooks annotated version of the book and there was a note that got me thinking when the disc when the discussion came up of how jamie escaped from river run it's generally agreed upon by those in the conversation that if Catelyn freed him, it was an act of madness. And most readers see it as the desperate act of a grief-stricken mother. However, the note in the book this is, um, questions how much value Jamie actually had as a hostage. It says, quote, it was clear that Tywin didn't stop fighting for fear of his son being harmed in retaliation. And that while Jamie is a popular commander and a great fighter, he's not necessarily a great tactician or strategist. So his return wouldn't necessarily aid the Lannisters' war effort. Therefore, exchanging him for Sansa and Arya is arguably the best possible use that can be made of him, unquote. What are your thoughts on this perspective of Jamie's worth as as a hostage? I would question that that is George doing the annotating there. <laughs> I don't know who did the annotating <laughs> for that. Like, even if it was true, though, would I mean, there's also the whole public perception of that, right? I mean, like, maybe it's true, but like, I don't know that. Would Tywin is- want that to be like the optics? <laughs> yeah, no, well, absolutely not. Yeah. 
I mean, there's that point in one of Tyrion's chapters where he gets really upset with Tywin because he real realizes that Tywin's already given up Jamie for dead. And it's Tyrion that does all the, you know, Tyrion's the one that hatches a plan to, um, you know, Tyrion hatches a plan to rescue, rescue him. him. Yeah, yeah, Tywin doesn't do anything at all. So, I mean, I think there's some there's some value in the, or there's some thought in the idea that Tywin has given up on him and, you know, isn't going to do anything like, and they can't, I mean, I think like there's almost this idea that he's too, he was trading him straight up from the girls was a terrible bargain from the Lannisters. And from an optics perspective, they wouldn't do that. He's worth more. So it's almost like his value disappeared when they killed Ned. Like that, that was his value was and in like, he's what they could have exchanged for Ned. Yeah, I think my biggest issue with this as a concept is it's just, like, that's not what Catelyn's calculus is. <laughs> she's not going, no. oh, really doesn't have any value. You know, she's aware that he definitely has massive value. She just is, she's doing it he's, because she is a grief-stricken mother. Grief-stricken mother. This is, I mean, you can see it when you read it. She basically has, like, well, a one of those she's breaks. <laughs> Right. And she's hatching an unspoken bargain with Tyrion, basically saying, you know, Tyrion, I fucked up by, you know, I fucked up taking you hostage. Here is my, you know, apology in the form of your brother. You know, perhaps (laughs) you would also like to make make amends in the form of my daughters, you know. Well, Jamie, Jamie thinks that he's like, yeah, she's bargaining with Tyrion here. Yeah. He knows it, too. And I think she was. She was. She absolutely was. Yeah, I mean, she and Tyrion, for, you know, I think, like, they they certainly realized that they were, you know, like, the stupidity, sorry, I mean, and, you know, I love Kat, but, like, the stupidity, stupidity of her actions in the Vale, if they could, if Tyrion and Kat could both take that moment in the inn back, they 100% would. Like, oh, for just, sure. You know, yeah. And, I mean, I think she she feels like she has some kind of understanding with Tyrion and, you know, by Tyrion trying to, you know, Tywin might not have ever approached them for a bargain for Jamie, but, you know, Tyrion has certainly tried. So, yeah. I, oh, I, I think mean, Tywin would have. They're, they're, Tywin's always willing to make a deal. He's too pragmatic not to if the deal is correct. Well, it's funny, though, because Rob did, try, you know, Rob proposed terms to Tywin, but Jamie wasn't part of it. Like, they did not yeah. include Jamie in the bargain. Because he was too Which, valuable. They needed to hold on to keep him in the back pocket. That's why I'm arguing yeah. that George would have said this annotation. I don't think so. Yeah. And I don't it's know just not true. in any way, shape, or form borne out by either the story or the character who was yeah. motivated to do it. And that's Catelyn. Like, this was not her motivation. Oh, yeah. Her, yeah, hers wasn't. Yeah, that. Yeah. That's Interesting her. take. Where do you get this annotated version? Why are all these weird versions yeah, right? of the Storm Swords? Like, <laughs> Devin's Devin's got this weird version, like basically a draft version, and Giles got her dumb <laughs> illustrated copy that she hates. This is the iBooks version. I don't know. I have the iBooks version. Mine isn't annotated though. I'm googling to see, but I've never heard it. I'm well. Huh. I don't know what this is. Huh. I'd I'd have to read the foreword and hear who was doing the annotating. Well, do we have any other mail about this? That chapter? would be it. Do we have any thoughts? Any any um, Arya Gendry shipping thoughts? I wish that I had an Arya Gendry shipper to give me some. I mean, they're adorable. 
you know, neither of yeah. them are of age or mature enough for it to be anything other than like, you know, I mean, it's sort of like, you know, it's like Anne of Green Gables and Gilbert, like, it's you know, exactly he's going to pull her. You know, it's adorable and wonderful, but, you know, it's going to take a while for it to develop into anything other than that. Yeah, George just doesn't have Montgomery's insight into what the age difference should be. But other than that, that's exactly what yeah. it is. Yeah, I think it's the kind of thing that in, you know, 10 years, sure, it's just sort of like, you know, a little embryo kind of thing. But yeah, I don't. Yes. They're adorable. I mean, she's, I don't know, she is all kinds of adorable in this chapter and all kinds of funny. And I really feel so sorry for her and care so much about her in this book. And, you know, I mean, part of it, I guess, too, is like, you know, I don't, you know, and it's hard to imagine the books even being like this. But, you know, part of these chapters, too, are like making Gendry into someone that's kind of worthy of her at some point, too. Like, just like, obviously, as the affection, but like the choices that Gendry makes at this point where, you know, he's so I mean, he's a lot like Ned, honestly. (laughs) Like, if he is like kind of guy that she would choose if she was going to be in a relationship someday you know well and he's robert's son and in any other normal fantasy series he's the future king you know he's going to be the guy that you know it's probably whenever you know but i mean that that's like the trope that you would get like the potential behind him you know well and and you we see the last time that we see gendry is in brienne's final chapter in feast and the minute that he hears that Sander might be somewhere, he is like ready to fight because why he's mad at Sander for taking Arya. Like he, you know, he's the, he, Gendry has the hero's impulse is how I'm going to put it, you know? And like that, that does absolutely, you know, just zipper right into fitting together with Arya. Like, you know, they, they have the same like moral fiber basically. Yep. Yep. For sure. Go Gendry. I mean, I'm all for it. I just, you know, yeah, in a few years, I'd love to see the five-year gap. We, George, you fucking failure. Why yeah. didn't you get your five-year gap done so that we could all just enjoy some of these ships that maybe uh, we would have been able never. to otherwise? Okay, so on that great note, on yet another note of screaming at George R. R. Martin, if you <laughs> would like to add your voice to the chorus of screaming at him, um, you can email at us. Email us at uh, close the door and at gmail.com. Is that right? Yeah. And um, you can always tweet at Guile, who will pass it along at Door Podcast on Twitter. Um, you can also always send us an anonymous message on our Tumblr, which is close the door and come here.tumblr.com. Yes, you do not have to to come out with your name or anything. You can just send us anonymous messages. Um, especially about things like Jamie and Brienne crickets or Stavos crickets. We love to hear these things. Um, And of course we appreciate our patrons on Patreon um, who help us keep our hosting fees paid. Um, We are close the door on Patreon. I'm pretty sure. Um, And if there's nothing else, I am going to close the door. Get out.